So I'm, I'm so glad to, to be here. God's doing lots of cool things. Hey, we're kicking off a brand new series, um, and, and I'm excited to launch that uh, today. I saw uh, last night that this weekend the Powerball is up to 321 million. Did anybody get the winning numbers last night? Anybody? Cool. We just want to identify who we need to have a conversation with after church about giving your first fruits, you know? So, um, <laughs> no, I'm really, uh, it's crazy. I, I got to thinking when I saw how big the Powerball was, like, what would you, the age old question, what would you do with, you know, the, if you won the lottery? You know, $320 million, like, that's a lot. I don't even know where to begin. Um, it, hopefully that'd be like money that would last us a long time. Let, let's just hear it. Let's just kind of have some fun here. What would you do first? What would you do first if you won the lottery today? Let me hear it. House. Yeah, go ahead, house. Pay off the house. That's a big deal. What was that? Buy mama a house? Buy some land to grow on the, grow the farm. Awesome. Hey, here's, a, here's another question. Like $321 million, we think hopefully that would last us our lifetime, right? Hopefully 321 would hold, hold the fort down. Would you quit your job? If you would quit your job, raise your hand. Okay, if you would not quit your job, you're the weirdo in the house, so I'm just kidding. No, you know what's crazy? Do you know, do you know how long, like, like on average, they, um, they actually last with the money, someone that wins the lottery? Anybody? I mean, hopefully, I mean, even if you lived off $100 million for the rest of your life, $100 million, and then like, we'll just leave the 221 to the, the next generation. Um, no, like 70% of them go broke in seven years. 70% of them go broke within, se- like that is moving some money out pretty quickly, buying some stupid things. Because <clears throat> most of us, like when it comes to like that kind of money, we're like, well, if I had that, then I would just be generous and I'd do all these different things. And the truth of the matter is that it, it does change us. The money does change people, but usually not for the better, Usually not for the better. It usually changes them for the worse. And so I, I don't know, and usually like whatever we've been being as a human being, we continue being. And we just all, we've always got these ifs in our life. Like if that happened, then I would do that. And the sad part is all those ifs in the negative hold us back from who God has truly designed us and wants us to be walking in faith in. We're starting a series today called Trust Fund. It's called Trust Fund, and so we'll talk more about this idea here in just a minute. Um, And I I just want you to know, like, we're going to be talking about money for the next few weeks, and so people get super weirded out when you talk about money in church. And I know it's because a lot of people have a lot of bad experiences with stuff. Um, And and so I I just want want you to know, I feel like I've got to always unpack a lot of things in people's hearts and minds when it comes to money, because I know everybody in the room is in a different place, and we're going to talk about that. Um, but I want you to, like, nothing changes in my life when you're, when you're generous. The only thing that changes in my life personally is we get to do more ministry when you're generous in this house. That's the only thing that happens. The vision goes faster. That's all, right? No one that ever stands on the stage and talks about money is on commission. Like, we don't have a commission-based offering in our church or any church for that matter, I would hope. Um, I bet there's some crazy church out there that does that, though. Um, but we've got all, we've got all this baggage with money. Um, and Jesus said, we've really got to make a decision. 
like money's going to be our master, which if you think about your daily life, like you get up and you, you go to work most likely because you need what? <laughs> money. 95% of you, it's not because you love your job. It's because you need money to live. And just innately, we're kind of built where mass, like money is kind of our, ma- we just kind of need it to live. And so it, be kind of, it, it is kind of, it, we start out with it as our master, whether we've like intentionally said money is my master. It's kind of, and Jesus said you can't serve two though. You can't serve two masters. You can either love one and hate the other. And, and I think God's going to help us over the next few weeks just work through that. And if you ever think at any point, I'm trying to get something out of you, I'm not. Because like, the only thing that happens is we can move the vision forward faster. I, I truly want something for you. And I want the blessing of God in your life. I want the promise of God in your life. I, I, I want to help you. I think the, the word, the scriptures are so full and so rich of God's blessing for your life. Um, there's so much wisdom in here that we can't, even, we can't even grab a hold of all of it. Even when it comes down to, to like how to handle our savings and how to budget and how to be disciplined and whether we should loan somebody money or not, right? You've probably had somebody, hey, can you kind of bum someone? The scripture even has tons of wisdom on just the practicalities of life. Jesus talked about it so much um, because he knows it's just so connected to our heart and he is jealous over our hearts and we can't serve two masters. Here's the truth. We're all in a, in, in a place right now, money. And so I want to kind of use this graphic that kind of t- helps us see where the state of our accounts are, where the state of our bank account is. Kind of, is that x-axis, the one on there? Is that x-axis? All right, yeah. I'm getting an accountant, like financial guy saying yes, x. Uh, and then the bottom be y-axis. So the, the, the left side there is, that's the state of our bank account. The bottom is the state of our heart account. Okay, and, and so somewhere in this, as you're looking at this, you can put an X of where you're at, right? We would all love to be surplus and extremely generous, but the truth of the matter is that probably very few, if any, are in surplus and extremely generous in, in this room, okay? So let's talk about this. Struggling, you are paycheck to paycheck, okay? So just to identify where you're at, uh, the truth of the matter is that, guess what that percentage is of people, Americans, who are living paycheck to paycheck? Just guess, throw it out. Somebody was so close to it. It's 78%. So if you are living paycheck to paycheck in this room, you're not alone. Because <laughs> 78%, did you know 10% of people who make over six figures are living paycheck to paycheck? Okay, so if as we're talking about this, you hate talking about money because it's just more stress and more stress. I think, I think the next three weeks, this church is going to stop being stressed about money. I just, I believe it because God's going to do some things in our heart because we're living with so much anxiety about money. So much anxiety about money. And God's a giver, and he loves you, and he's going to take care of you. And the, and the faster and deeper we can get that into our heart, it's going to start changing what's happening up here. It's going to start changing some anxiety that's happening here when it gets deeply rooted in our heart. Many of us are living paycheck to paycheck. That's the reality. Uh, if we lost our job and lost income for a week, we'd be in trouble. We couldn't pay the bill. Surviving, that's maybe you got one to three weeks, maybe two or three weeks ahead. Like you can be out of work for a week and bills would still be on time. But beyond that, it's like barely kind of keeping our head above water. Head is above water, but barely, okay? I'd say, I mean, if we got 78% in the room or in America, probably there's the next 10 to, you know, percent or 15% that are right in there. So we're almost at 90% of people that are in this kind of surviving. Stable, you got a few months, um, where you'd be okay. Um, you're probably being pretty aggressive about, um, about savings and, 
and paying off debt. You're working. You're stable uh, in your bank accounts. You, 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 don't, you, you may stress about it, but it's not because you have to. It's just b- because of maybe some things that are going on in their heart. And then surplus, like you're going to be good for a little while. Things are, things are good financially. Uh, most of your debt's probably paid off. Uh, we live in, the, in some, living in the surplus in the room. Let's talk about the heart thing, because that's really where Jesus is focused. We'll get a lot of other things on the practicalities of moving from struggling to surplus in the Old Testament, in the Proverbs. Like, God talks about us having surplus, like having extra left over. That's what God wants for our life. He wants, he wants the meat left on the bones. In, in another message in this series, we'll talk about kind of just being com- um, you know, happy with wh- where we're at and, and not, com- not complacent, um, but honestly being content so we'll talk about that more. But we've got to talk about this bottom thing, because this is where Jesus is really concerned with our heart. Stingy, how would I define that? Uh, it's a rare occasion for us to come off our wallet for anything. Rare occasion. You've got to really get us. You've got to really get us good. or Something must have really happened for us to, to be given. Otherwise, we're, we're just pretty stingy. We hang on to it. The truth of the matter is, if when we looked at this, we said, yep, I'm stingy. Like, you just immediately X, you know, wherever you were on the bank account, you just said, yep, that's me. Uh, people might even joke with you about it. <laughs> um, with this one, we, we, we've got some heart stuff going on. There, there's reasons for it, right? Somebody hurt us. Somebody did me wrong. Like, you fill in the blank for why that is. But at, at the heart of it, we may have some greed issues, but I think it all, it all goes back to, and in, 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 it starts and ends with our trust in God. Like, and then that goes into trust in people and trust in his church. And so we've got to work through that throughout this series. Sporadic giver, most of the time we give by feeling, right? Like, I, f- I felt like it. I felt something in that moment. And so some of us, many of us are sporadic. We'll drop a 20 every once in a while. We'll do, we're very sporadic givers. We wouldn't say it's who we are, but it is something we do. Like, on occasion, we'll give um, either in the church or, or outside of it. A solid, uh, this would be like maybe we're, we're, we're hitting, you know, 10%, like the, the tithe, the, uh, the principle of the tithe. Just so you know, the tithe, it's not a law, like because we don't live under the law anymore. It's a, it's, a, it's a principle that we see that actually precedes the law way ahead of it. Like, like we see the first fruits, we see the tithe, we see that principle in Genesis 4 with Cain and Abel. Like, so super early, we see this idea of first fruits and God blessing the first fruits and not blessing leftovers. So that's maybe where we're at with solid. Um, generous uh, would be, hey, we actually like giving and we feel good when we give and like we, we like being able to bless others. Uh, we're kind of giving above and beyond on occasion. Um, we probably give joyfully. We're very happy to, to be a part of the mission of God and, and helping uh, the poor. Uh, and then extremely generous, I'd say at this point, we are willing to walk in faith when it comes to our finances. We are willing to walk, not, and if we look to the New Testament, we're going to look at different parables throughout the New Testament in which Jesus talks about money. But Jesus tells us one kind of real life story in which this woman gave like just a little bit. And Jesus said, she gave more than anybody. Because she gave like of what she didn't have, like she gave all she had. And so Jesus is not concerned with the amount. God's not concerned with the amount. He's concerned with the, the temperature and the shape of your heart and the willingness of your heart to sacrifice for his kingdom. Not for a person, not for a thing, like for his kingdom, that he would be glorified through all of it. And so maybe just kind of mark where you're at in all that right now. And uh, just that, that'll kind of be a backdrop for us to just let God do his thing. 
Let, us, let him do his thing in our heart and, and move us. Like, let's trust him. I think if I just drop the mic for a second and just let some people come up here and testify how when your heart started moving, something started happening on the x-axis. I think if we just drop the mic, as you become more generous, God's just begin to pour out his blessings because he promises that he's going to do that. God told me um, to call this series Trust Fund like months and months ago. And so um, I'm, I don't have a trust fund, and so I had to look this up and like really know what a trust fund was. So as we were approaching, I, I looked up this definition, and when I, re- I read it, I'm like, whoa, God, that's so cool because that's like the gospel. <laughs> this is the gospel into our lives, into our hearts, and into our finances. So check out this definition here. A trust fund, this is like straight off the internet, a trust fund is a three-party fiduciary relationship in which the first party, the trustor or settler, uh, transfers or settles a property, often but not necessarily a sum of money, upon the second party, the trustee, for the benefit of the third party, the beneficiary. Does anybody just catch this real quick? Like, okay, that's kind of God's into this like idea. So when he told me this, I didn't even have this, but now... I was just processing this. And, and in the church, we don't talk about a fiduciary relationship. What do we talk about? We talk about a covenant relationship. Throughout the Bible, we have these seven covenants that God makes with his people. Four of those are to the people, directly to the people of Israel. Three of those are unconditional. Like, it doesn't matter, like, what you do or how bad you fall. Like, God's not going to love, stop loving you. He's going to be your people. Uh, he chose you. You didn't choose him. Um, so it starts with that, and there's one that's conditional. If you do this, then I will do this. I will open up the windows of heaven. I'll bless you. Uh, there's three of them that, that aren't with the people of Israel, but they're to all mankind. One of those being God won't flood the earth ever again. Everybody said amen. They're like, what was last year? All the earth, not downtown um, and Orange Park. And, you know, um, and, and then we have the covenant of Christ, right? And that's what we're living under if you're um, bought by the blood of Jesus today. I mean, I just saw this, and I'm like, man, that's good stuff, because God's the trustor. Like, the earth is the Lord, and everything in it, and everyone who's in it. Go ahead, you can go ahead and go to that next slide, because God's the trustor. Christ is the original trustee. He's the original one that God gave to us to settle the accounts, to settle a debt we couldn't pay. Jesus is the first trustee, and we... We begin as beneficiaries. Here's the thing. We're going to transition. As we come into Christ, we transition. We don't just see ourselves as beneficiaries, but also trustees. And, and we still, we remain a beneficiary, but we also begin to see all the world around us as beneficiaries. And so I want to unpack each of these a little bit today. Let's begin with the beneficiary. So I, I began doing some research um, on beneficiaries and really the first thing that popped up, trust fund babies. <laughs> and so there's this stereotype that goes with trust fund babies. Like you probably had a friend and, and, uh, that was a trust fund baby. And there's a stereotype, but not, not all of them are, are like that. I, I started reading these blogs of trust fund babies, and that was quite, quite interesting because they were very honest. Like they were in their, you know, like maybe early 30s, it sounded like this one writer was talking about. And she said many times that her, her friends would actually like criticize her and like pick on her about this. And she just had like a really, really hard kind of line that would shut them up pretty quickly. Like, yeah, but you still have your dad. Because this particular young lady, she became a trust fund baby through an accidental death lawsuit. And she, you know, so that was all, that shut up, <laughs> that kind of criticism of it um, pretty quickly. But truth of the matter, they're, they're not all like that. This particular 
uh, young lady, she found out she was a trust fund baby at 21 and moved to New York City with uh, not a, a, a amount of money on a monthly basis that you would want to quit your job, but enough that gives you kind of flexibility to play and not work if you wanted to. You know, if you didn't want to work, you didn't have to. So she moved to New York City, got a nice apartment, and started living fast and hard. You know, $400 a weekend on club fees, alcohol, and cocaine, just living hard, hard life. Uh, eventually that, that emptied, you know, not, not her bank account, but her soul. She was just bankrupt. And uh, she eventually kind of came to her senses at 25 and really became a, a disciplined and generous trustee and um, ben, uh, beneficiary. And so he, here's what the, the deal is. We're, we're all beneficiaries. Like, look at what Colossians 1 verse 12 says. Colossians 1 12, giving joyful thanks to the Father, the trustor, who's qualified us through Christ to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of his life. We've got this inheritance. We are beneficiaries. We're beneficiaries. You are a trust fund baby. <laughs> whether you realize it, you're a trust fund baby. We are. So it's not a matter whether you are. If you've received any benefit from being with Christ, if you've walking in his joy or in his peace, or if you've found forgiveness of sins in Christ, then you are a beneficiary. How many of us live with that type of mindset that we have this inheritance that's not going to go up and down in the stock market, it's not going to go up and down with where my bank account is, it's going to last, and it's eternal. I've got this inheritance that's not going anywhere. I think when, we're, when we really understand that we are beneficiaries, we walk with a blessed mindset. We do. But most of the time, we, sometimes we feel blessed. You go on a mission trip to a third world country, you're like, oh, we're so blessed. But then the people you're working with that are making twice as much, and you're, you're still buying your groceries, but they're making twice as much, you don't feel so blessed next to them. You know, and there's just this, there's just movement, and what happens, and I think it's at our heart, is because we really want more, we want more, and what we want more. And the truth of the matter is that desire for many of us will never be fully and finally satisfied. It's not going anywhere. Once you make 60, you're going to want to make 80. And once you make 80, you're going to make 120. And, and then we just stack bills on it, bills on it. And there's this thing in our heart where it, the next thing's going to make us happy. And so wherever you're at, if you're struggling or surviving or stable or surplus, right now in your heart today, like we need to, we need to just have this perspective of, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. It's okay. It's okay. We're, we're blessed people. And so it's not a question of whether we're a beneficiary because we are. It's a matter of what kind of beneficiary we are. Are we a spoiled and selfish beneficiary? Blows it on nonsense? Or are we a disciplined and generous beneficiary that understands we've been given so much and we are so blessed and if God never gives us another thing, we have all we ever need. If we struggle in poverty for the rest of our life, We've got everything we need because we got Jesus. That whole I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me is about being content in where we're at. Paul said, look, I've had a lot and I've had nothing. He said, and I've learned that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can be content no matter the situation. And I think once we get that, <laughs> the heart can start moving. So it's not a question of whether we're a beneficiary. It's a matter of what kind of beneficiary we are, are we? And we begin to look at Jesus, and Jesus is the first trustee. We'll look at that. I want to read this passage in Romans chapter 8, verse 17, as Patrick read uh, Romans 8, 
15, just a minute ago. This is like two verses later. Uh, and since we are his children, now if we're his children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God, right? So we're beneficiary, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ. Trustees. Stuart, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we also may share in his glory. See, when we come into Christ, here's, this, is, this is the scriptures on our faith that, that we're not just heirs. We're actually co-heirs with Christ because he, he, Jesus left and he left his keys to his kingdom in the hands of broken people like me and you. And he said, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. He was saying that directly to Peter who had failed him three times before. So if you've got excuses of failure or why you're not a trustee or not, why you're not a co-heir with Christ, yeah, I'm sure Peter could have dropped those right back in after that. But he was just humbled. And so I, I think where with a beneficiary, we have a blessed mindset. With the trustee, we have a humbled mindset that there's a responsibility in this. Like I've got my son in here, Beckett. Give me a high five, dude. He's got a little fever, so we're keeping that from your kiddos. Um, but Beckett, if I told you today that daddy's leaving town for the weekend, mommy's leaving town, you're in charge. He'd flip out, right? <laughs> you can't leave me. You can't leave me. No, but you, you remember that time where a mom or a dad or somebody gave you a little responsibility and just humbled you? And this is what it is with Christ. Like we should be humbled. That should be our perspective. Humbled that God would trust us with this. We have this word that comes out of Old English called stewardship. It really comes from this kind of English idea, and it's biblical. I mean, we have this word that shows up in different English translations of a steward. And a steward is someone that a king would say, have a castle. Let's all pretend we have a castle. And when you leave the castle, you, have, you put in charge this steward. And you're like, Mr. Steward? <laughs> Mr. Stewart, you're in charge. I'm leaving. I'm going on a cruise. I'll be back in two months. Um, don't screw this up, right? And so uh, they're hanging on, and they're in charge of your pro- they're in charge of your property of everything that's been given. And here's the deal: they can't move the couch where they want to move the couch because it's not theirs. They can't say, "I want that that wall a different color" because it's not their house. Right? Can you imagine if you left somebody in charge and they came home and rearranged everything? Like, who do you think you are? And many times, really below our greed issues, below our um, selfish issues, deep down in this thing with money, it's about pride. That we really see ourselves as the trustor and not the trustee. At the trustee, we have responsibility, and and we must remain humble in it. Because here's what a steward is. A steward manages God's money, God's way, for God's glory. A steward manages God's money. I think you've got to be up. God's way for God's glory. That's what a steward is. And that's what we are. Like, we just want to be obedient to Christ. Whatever God's asking us to do, we want to be obedient to that. And we have freedom in this. And I think if we got into really detail, there's so much freedom and liberty and joy in this. But most of us, when we talk about money, we don't feel free. We feel in bondage to it. We feel enslaved to it. That's because it's our master. We feel anxiety about it because it's our master. Now, we can find that tension point where our faith begins to stretch. I'd say this much. 
There is a dollar amount on how much you trust God. Let that sink in for a second. There's probably a dollar amount of how much you trust God. God, I love you. I don't trust you past that. There's a dollar amount how much you trust the church, the local church. There's how much. There's a dollar amount how much you would trust somebody. The scripture gives us so much life into this, speaking into our heart. But it's not a matter of whether we are a steward, whether we're a trustee, we are. It's just a matter of what kind of trustee are we. Are we one when Jesus said, on this rock I'll build my church, the gates of hell will not prove. Are we one that we, he can count on? Are we a faithful one or are we an unfaithful one? Are we one that's changing the color of the walls and moving the couch where we want it? Or are we, are we truly a trustworthy and faithful steward? It's not a matter of whether we are. It's a matter of what kind we are. And then lastly is a trustor. That's, that's God. God's the trustor. You know, I quoted it before, Psalm 24, 1, that the earth is the Lord and everything in it and all who live in it. But I don't know if you've read this passage. Psalm 50, beginning with verse 7. I want to read this one. Listen, my people, and I'll speak. I'll testify against you, Israel. I'm, I'm God. You are God. I'm trustor. I bring no charges against you concerning your sacrifices or concerning your burnt offerings, burnt offerings which are ever before me. He's saying, you're fine. You're fine. You're giving church. You're good. You love me. But I don't have a need for, uh, of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pins. Of, for every animal of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields, they're mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you, for the world is mine and all that's in it. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Sacrifice thing offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Lord, to the Most High, and call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will honor me. Big point here, God doesn't need your money. He doesn't. And many have stood in this place and preached a prosperity gospel or the opposite, a poverty gospel. And, and I think the, the gospel brings us into this place of liberty and joyful giving where even, I think it was the uh, Macedonian church that even though they were in deep poverty, it says that, that from their deep poverty, it welled up. It welled up in extreme generosity so that where they were at in the bank account actually didn't, didn't change their faith in God. Whether they won the lottery or they were, you know, uh, on food stamps, it didn't matter. They trusted God in a little and they would trust God in a lot. And I don't know where you're at kind of in the state of the bank accounts. I don't know where you're at in the state of heart. And I'll just say this much, that you're, you're an extremely generous church. And, and, and we're not like about to go under so pastor's trying to preach a, a thing. I'm not trying to get anything out of you, I promise. I, I want something for you. And I think this is God's truth, that he wants all of your heart. And some of us, like, and I know, like, it gets kind of tax season, and people are, like, having to pay out or getting a little back, and there's all this thought about money here in the next two weeks or month, um, trying to get those taxes in. But Jesus talks about this a lot, and so I don't ever want you, to, first of all, to be uncomfortable about it or to ever think we're trying to get something from you because we're not. We're trying to get something for you and to you. Because Jesus, like most of the time, even if we've got a, a lot of um, excuses or, or baggage with this, like, it, it's okay. Like, just relax. We're not going to take up four offerings until we get a certain amount. Anybody ever been to service like that before? We're like, all right, we're going to take up another offering. We didn't get everything we need. I was in this service one time where the, the guy leading it, um, 
poor guy, man. He was, he was like, all right, I need 10 $100 bills. And like, it took like five minutes to get the 10 $100 bills. And then he was like, now I need 20 $50 bills. And he went all the way down to $1. It took about 30 minutes in the service. I'm like, have mercy, bro. Um, but Jesus talks about this a ton. Jesus does. He gives us so much wisdom. And it's worth kind of doing your research on to see how much Jesus talked about this. In the Gospel of Luke, he talked about it one out of every seven verses he talked about money. Jesus talked about money more than he did heaven and hell. Jesus talked about money more than anything with the exception of the kingdom of God. More than anything. Like pick a theological topic Jesus talked about money, and it wasn't always like, do this, do this, do some money. It was about our heart. That was at the core of every single message about money. It was about our heart, because he knows we wake up in the morning, and we have to go into a job, and we have to do things, and Jesus is like, hey, I, I don't want this to be a have-to thing. We're not under a law on this. There's this freedom. There's this liberty that should well up in extreme generosity, that we should be living in that way. Jesus talks so much about money. Check this out. Here's what Jesus, just a few things that Jesus said. He said, continue in the tithe. He said, pay your taxes. He said, help the poor. Meet your own family's needs. Um, use wisdom and planning. Invest in long-term and eternal things. It goes on. Keeps, there's more here. Uh, I think I have them up there. Yeah, depend on God, not our own resources. Show mercy to debtors. There, there's the rest of it that I was just talking about. He goes on. There's just so much. Jesus talks about this. So even if you're one that kind of wants to push away and, and, and kind of pull text and, and kind of make something, I'm not saying anything that's not in the scriptures today. We want to wiggle our way. Like Jesus, Jesus calls us to be generous people. Because from the very beginning, mankind are supposed to be a reflection of him. The husband and wife relationship to be a reflection of his goodness. And in our give, if, if he's a giver, he wants us to reflect that generosity in our own life. And today it's not a matter of whether we're a beneficiary or not. It's just a matter of what kind of beneficiary are we. It's not a matter of whether we're a steward or whether we're not. It's just a matter of whether we're a faithful one or an unfaithful one. Can I tell you a few stories, and I'll wrap up today? Um, and I don't say anything, any of these things uh, other than to just show you the transformation that God's done in my life in this. God uses financial miracles to really move our faith. He really does. He, 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 he's shown up so many times in my life in this. We moved here in 2012, it was a big step of faith, as you can imagine, if you know anything about our story. Big step of faith, moving to a city where we didn't know a soul, to start a church with people you don't, you don't know anybody. And so, um, living on savings and love offerings when I would go and preach and speak out uh, places, but the majority of our money, when we would go to those places, we weren't trying to raise anything for ourselves. We weren't saying, hey, we need some living expenses to get down to Jacksonville. Like, no, we're starting a church. Everything you're going to be giving is towards that. We've raised these funds, and we're going to live off this. And so um, God, God began to, in 2011, prepare us for this. We talked to our pastor in 2011 and said, hey, we feel like God's doing something in us. And I really felt so identified with Abraham when God said, go to the land that I'll show you. 
It was like, okay, we didn't even know where we were going. We didn't know what we were going to do. We didn't, at that point, we didn't even know that we were going to start a church. But there's three financial miracles that happened in 2011 that prepared my heart personally. And I think our heart in faith. If you get anything out today, I just want you to know God wants to grow your faith. And one of the big areas he's able to do that because we're so connected to it and we're so reliant on it is in money. The first miracle happened at, uh, actually, I think it was the December of 2010, and I had this gentleman who played in our band. I was the worship pastor at the time, and, and he said, hey, man, uh, the store across town, they're doing a big sale on their Taylor guitars. You should go look at it. And I was like, cool, bro. Thanks for the heads up on the advertisement, but I don't have $3,000 to buy a Taylor guitar. He said, you should go look at it. I'm like, cool, man. I'll go look at it. He's like, no, you should go. I'm like, you got to be more clear. I don't know what you're saying. He said, here's what it is, man. God laid it on my heart to buy you a guitar. And uh, not to just buy you a little $250, you know, starter guitar, but to buy you a dream guitar, like, that you could pass on to your children and their children. And I was just humbled, like, how in the world, like, any guitar players in the room are like, come on, God, bring that to me. Bring that to me. I'll receive that in Jesus' name. It was a desire of my heart that I had never even spoken to God. My favorite brand of guitar, Taylor guitar. I love the sweetness of the tone. Usually on Sundays, somebody's up here playing it. And so I went over there. He met me, and I tried to pick out one that was, you know, seven or eight hundred dollars. He said, no, 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 go. Go find you the best. Go get the one you want. So I just looked around until I found my beautiful Taylor guitar. That was the first miracle. And I love how God did this. Because he started with, with a desire of my heart, just to let him know, let me know that he loves me. It was a miracle. Um, a couple months later, I was, um, I was preparing uh, for uh, a mission trip to Australia. And it's expensive to go to Australia, like real expensive. So this trip was about $3,500, three or $3,500. And so we had Beckett right here, he's seven. Um, he was a baby. Like he had just been born when we started fundraising for this. So as a new dad, hard to leave him. And it was like a 17-day trip. And so here, my, he, my wife is a new mom, and he's here. <laughs> There's this trip, and do I want to go to Australia? Of course I do. Do I want to go right now? Not really. I, I want to be with my wife to be with my child. So I've always been a pretty good fundraiser. Like, I'll just get it, and I'll usually have leftover and give to somebody else for their trip. That's just, we have a good network, and, and God opens doors like that. And um, so we were, I was just being patient with it, and I had, I had said I'll go, but I had done nothing to raise $3,500. And if you know me, it's just not like my character, not like my character. And so I had a couple of people on the leadership and in the staff of the church say, hey, you, you still going? And I'm like, yeah, I think, I don't know. And one Sunday they grabbed me and they said, hey, um, I saw 900 bucks came in for your trip. I'm like, do what? I think it was a $3,000 trip. $900, I said, that's crazy. No one even knows I'm going. Like, I'm not even really confirmed that I'm going. This guy in the church, he just said, hey, want to bless pastor and send him on this trip? I'm like, cool. 
I'm like, that's amazing. I guess maybe you want me to go on this, God, since you're kind of providing this way. But now I'm like, we're like two, it was like a few weeks out, not even a month out from the trip, and I got to come up with like 2,000 plus. So I, I don't know. There's this, but, the, but this Wednesday morning, this guy um, calls me. He's a single guy. He's younger than I am. He's in the military, single guy. And he calls me. And he says, hey, man, uh, this is early in the morning. He says, hey, man, I don't know where you're at, but, like, I got to find, like, I've been up all night long. I can't go to sleep until I give you something. I didn't have any idea what he was talking about. I, like, I was not connected to the mission trip. Um, but he comes, and he, he brings me $2,000 in cash that God had kept him up all night long. So I, I needed, like, another 100 bucks. So, I don't know, some, some, we got 100 bucks somehow, you know, and it was covered. And so, like, in a matter of just days, I went from, I don't think I'm going on this trip, to, like, three. And here's why I tell you a whole story, because the first financial miracle was about God letting me know I love you, and if you delight yourself in me, I'll give you the desires of your heart. And then it ended in preparing us that I'm sending you on mission. Nobody in that whole church knew we, in just a few months, would be transitioning out of full-time ministry at that location and moving here. Nobody knew, but I, I remember uh, having this, we were in this van, and there was this lady, her name's Betty Ann, and, and she leaned over, she said, I just feel led to pray with you right now. We were on these long, like, four-hour drives in the, in the bush, and um, she prays, and like, she doesn't even pray out loud, and so I don't even know what she's praying about, but after we announced to our church, she goes, I knew that you were leaving right then just spiritually God. And so it was just something God was doing in my heart to build my faith that he was not only going to give me the desires of my heart, but he was going to send and provide for the mission. And so I don't know where you're at in your state of accounts, heart or bank account, but I know you do. And I know God does. And so my invitation to you today is to trust in the Lord, delight yourself in the Lord, to test the Lord and to see if he won't flow up in the, the, the heavens um, and pour out a blessing so much that you can't handle it. That you don't know what to do with it. And overflow. And I invite you to stand today.